Welcome to the Magnificat Podcast. We are an international ministry to Catholic women. Throughout this series, we will pray together, share insights, and hear amazing testimonies, typically from women of faith who have been touched by the power of the Lord in their lives. This is a decidedly Catholic podcast, and in this series, you will hopefully learn more about the Catholic faith, God, the Blessed Mother, and much more. Thanks so much for joining us. Now let's listen to a great program. Thank you so much for having me today. And, and Tara, thanks for those kind words. And, and I'm sure the clarification was coming there for <laughs> Tyler finally stepping up and providing some grandchildren. Yes. Well, um, last Sunday I had the pleasure of meeting with some of the service team and um, having dinner with them prior to this, and, and they prayed over me. And it was the first time actually I had ever sat in a circle and had a group of ladies um, that I really didn't know that well put their hands on me and pray for me. And uh, talk about a humbling experience. And so many of you uh, have come in today and said, we've been praying for you, we're praying for you, and I'm, my, I want to say, first of all, thank you, and please don't stop. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I need every one of those prayers each day. Um, I start most days at Spirit Radio with saying, Lord, please help me not to say anything stupid, and especially if I have a microphone. <laughs> So uh, I just have to say, I just love being Catholic. I'm a new Catholic. I've been Catholic for about six years now. And it's just such a great feeling to understand that you are a child of God, that God loves you every minute of every hour of every day. And that has not always been the case for me. Um, Growing up, just a little bit about my, my family, my mother's Christian, and I went to a non-denominational church, and I did go to Sunday school, um, but I had dad at home who was not necessarily a strong believer. So there was some mixed um, messages coming in the home at that time. And, and then when I was young, my parents divorced, and, and my mom did a fabulous job of raising us, but it was really difficult for her and she struggled through much of that. So a lot of my focus growing up was on material wealth and how important it was. Because if you grow up without it, you realize how important it is to have. So that just kind of prefaces how I got to uh, where I am today. I spent um, 22 years working for a large transportation company, which you'll know very well as their favorite color is brown. <laughs> I tried when I was a delivery driver to have them give me a different color, telling them that it wasn't in my color swatches, but that did not work. And if you would have told me even 11 years ago that I'd be standing in front of a group of women like you giving my testimony about how God has brought me closer to him, I would have just bust out in laughter and thought that is absolutely not the Lord. You have picked the wrong person. That, that's not the case. Yet here I am. 
So my journey towards God um, started dramatically when I had been transferred for, to Virginia Beach to work. Uh, it was my third transfer within five years. So I went from Nebraska to the great state of Montana, traveled all over there in South Dakota and North Dakota for three years. And then they had enough of me and they sent me 2,000 miles away to Virginia Beach. So when I went there, I was most excited to be transferred to Virginia Beach. I'm a Nebraska girl. I'm born and raised here, you know, and I always wanted to live at the ocean. So I went skipping to Virginia Beach, thinking this is a dream come true. I am gonna get a house or an apartment or something as close to that water, and I am gonna spend as much time with that ocean as I possibly can. And I did just that. So, during that 22 years, I had been really working very hard on uh, trying to climb the corporate ladder, provide for my family, make sure that they were able to go to college and, um, you know, had some opportunities that I didn't necessarily have as a child. Um, and UPS allowed me to do that. So I'm very grateful for the time that I spent there. Um, but while I was there, you know, I would work very hard to get to the next level so I could attain the next level of financial security or whatever it was that I wanted at that time. A car, a house, a vacation, or, or something like that. So uh, when I got to Virginia Beach, we did get a condo just about three, blo three blocks from the ocean. And I spent many mornings uh, walking up and down that beach. And if anyone has ever been there, uh, there are homes like you have never seen before in your life up and down that beach. They are two, three million dollar homes and very beautiful. And so I spent lots of mornings walking up and down that beach thinking, wow, I really like that one and I really like that one and I like this about that one. And I wonder how much money I need to buy that one, you know. Now, granted, I'm 1,300 miles away from my family, so it's just my husband and I that are there. But, you know, I saw the other families vacationing there during the summer, and I was very envious of that. So um, I started the plan, you know, what do I have to do? What accounts do I have to win? I was a sales and marketing manager at the time in order to get that commission check big enough so that I could afford one of those homes. I spent many mornings dreaming about having my family there with me, the laughter, the food that we would enjoy. The problem was I just could not afford one of those homes, even though I had plenty. I had a beautiful condo, I had a wonderful husband, I had a great job, and I was content there for about 30 days. <laughs> Isn't that how it happens? I mean, you work for a year towards a goal, or two years, or 10 years, or 20 years towards a goal, and then once you get it, you're happy with it for just a short period of time, and then this big hole appears in you again, and you need something else to fill that hole. So you're in a constant search for more and more and more and more, even though I had quite a lot at that time. So as I was walking up and down the beach, 
um, dreaming about the vacations with my family. Um, one morning, I had been in Virginia Beach for about six months. It was after Labor Day, so there was absolutely no one there. This Virginia Beach is full from Memorial Day to Labor Day, and then everybody leaves. So it was just me and the dogs on the beach that morning. And I was walking up, looking at the homes, and all of a sudden, for some reason, I turned and actually looked at the water. I would listen to the water, but all those months that I was there, I never looked at it. I was focusing on the uh, objects of my desire on the other side of the beach. So this morning, the sun was just starting to come up over the Atlantic Ocean. And the water is black. And the sound of the Atlantic waves are crashing onto the shore. They, they're not gentle Caribbean waves. They crash onto the shore. So the sound was just me, the waves, and this brilliant orange ball appearing in the sky. And as I looked at it, it took about maybe five or six minutes for it to come up completely. It doesn't take very long. I thought to myself, my goodness, this is beautiful. Has this been here every day? <laughs> you know, wow, you know, it's this, does this happen every morning? Because I never noticed it before. What was I looking at, you know? But this morning, as I stood there watching it, and it was completely silent, I stood frozen, and all at once I heard a voice in my head say, why do you spend so much time looking at man-made things, and you not once have you turned your head to see what God has made? Now it was powerful. And I have to tell you, I didn't go to church. I believed in God, but I, did, I was very far from a personal relationship with the Lord. So I think this is my own head talking at this point. Then the very next thing I heard was you should be living with your family and visiting the ocean instead of living with the ocean and visiting your family. It had a profound effect on me that morning. It was impossible for me to focus on God while the only thing in my heart was how can I obtain some other material wealth and how quickly can I do it? I look at Matthew 6, 19 to 21 right now very often. It says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and decay destroy and thieves break in and steal, but store up treasures in heaven where neither moth nor decay destroys, nor thieves break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there also will be your heart. So I walked home from that. I felt a great desire on that four block walk to be near my parents who lived in Lincoln, my siblings that lived in Lincoln, our children who also at that time lived in Lincoln, and most importantly, sorry Tara, but 
a baby grandchild that had just been born. We all know that they are better. <laughs> and that little girl was really tugging at my heart. And, you know, I thought to myself, I don't want to be a holiday grandma. I am going to end up being a holiday grandma. And by the time that I'm ready to retire, she will be in high school and she won't know me at all. You know, so I returned home that morning and I announced to my saint of a husband that I was going to quit my job and that we were going to move back to Nebraska. And you can imagine the surprise <laughs> in his voice because he turned around and said, what happened on your walk? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I heard a voice in my head, you know, and uh, he, he said, I told him that, of course, at the time, I did not know it was God talking to me, but obviously it was. It was God's voice in my head, and he was using exactly what he knew it would take for me to get home and to start my journey towards him. But he was using my family to start that journey. So being the saint that he is, he asked me if we could please wait until spring and not move in December, but I denied that request. <laughs> of course, let's leave the beach and go back to Nebraska in December. Yes. And uh, of course, why would you want to quit a perfectly good job? The year was 2007. I'm not sure if any of you remember what was happening in 2007, but the market was in a free fall. <laughs> so people were losing their jobs right and left. And I am getting ready to quit the only security we had at the time to go to an unknown so that I could be a full-time grandma. And that's what I wanted to do. Tara was just starting her residency here in Lincoln. So I announced to my husband, Lowell, that you need to get a job and a good one because, <laughs> because I want to stay home and be grandma. <laughs> so I told you he is a saint. And that's the reason why I didn't let him come because I told him I do talk about him at the talk. And I don't know if he knew that it was good or bad, but I can't have all of these good things filling his head. Uh, I, I'll be, you know, toting him around like a parade balloon through the house. You know, that just won't work. So he did that. We moved home, and um, I became a full-time grandma, and he did get a job and has been working uh, for, for this whole time since then to help me and Tara to further our progress along. So I started caring for our grandchildren, which was wonderful. And I say grandchildren because baby number two came along shortly after we got back. And during that time, when my daughter was in college, she had joined the church. So um, our oldest granddaughter began preschool at North American Martyrs. And I know Mary is here somewhere. I don't know where. There she is back there. Mary was my first person that I, my first Lincoln Catholic person that I met at North American Martyrs. And sorry, Mary, you didn't know I was going to talk about you. <laughs> but I mean, God just put the most gracious and loving person in my path immediately. Since many of you in this room have been put in my path. And it's just a grace and a blessing 
But at the time, Mary was Aaliyah's preschool teacher. And so I was taking Aaliyah back and forth to preschool, and pretty soon Mary's got me introduced to other people, and then pretty soon she's suggesting that I volunteer. <laughs> Isn't that funny how that works? You know, when you do things. Um, but soon I have lots of Catholic friends. I had play dates, and I was volunteering. And then after a year or so, uh, my husband and I decided that maybe we should start going to Mass. Uh, remember when I told you about that conflict when I was a child? We'd come home from church, and then Dad didn't really believe. And so I was worried that if Grandma and Grandpa didn't go to Mass, but Mom and the kids were going to Mass, um, how are we going to, you know, how are they going to perceive that, you know? And how am I going to not contradict anything that Tara's trying to teach the children, we need to learn about what they're being taught. So we, we started to go to Mass. And we did that for a couple of years, just going to Mass and, you know, learning about the faith. And uh, I had several, several friends now within the church at Martyrs. And this one morning, Aaliyah was just about four years old, I think, at this point. Tara was holding the, the new baby. And it comes time for communion. And so I've got Aaliyah on my lap, and I say to her in a quiet voice, do you want to go communion with Mommy? Or you want to sit with Grandma? You know, because you're trying to whisper, it's communion, you know. And she looks at me and said, well, I'd like to go to communion with you, Grandma. And I'm like, oh, Grandma's not Catholic. You're trying to explain why you're not going to to a four-year-old, why you're not going up in a quiet voice in a quick period of time because like the rows are standing up, you know. And so uh, Aaliyah looks at me, puts her hands on my cheeks, gets real close with her beautiful little eyes and looks straight at me and in her four-year-old voice says, I want to go to communion with you, Grammy because you need communion too. <sighs> Boy, gets me still. It's been a long time even. It's been like almost eight years that I barely can say it. I began sobbing uncontrollably at that, mo that moment. I know that God looked into my eyes with the eyes of an innocent child, with the voice I never say no to, <laughs> and told me to go to communion. I was crying to the point where that, that kind of cry where you're like, <laughs> you know, and of course no one else knows, and no one else knows what was just said. So my husband's looking at me like, what is wrong with her now? <laughs> You know, what's going on? Tara's looking around, we're all, you know, crying, and I'm sobbing, and I can't talk, you know. So after that, you know, Aaliyah was, was my messenger from God. She's the one who brought me back from Virginia to Nebraska, and she's the one who looked in my eyes and told me to go to communion in her tiny four-year-old voice. Uh, my husband and I talked about it when we went home because he wasn't Catholic. And I said, this is a journey that I do not want to go on by myself. I did not want 
to learn the faith and have it put a wedge between the two of us. I wanted us to do this together. And was he willing to do this? And what do you think the saint of man said? <laughs> he said yes. He always says yes. So he called and signed us up for RCIA. And we began going on Thursday nights. And Anna, I'm going to talk about you too. Sorry, Anna. Uh, so Anna and her husband, Jack, go to RCIA at Martyrs every single year. And they are the shepherds of that group every year. And I started teasing her that they were our church parents. And finally, one week, she said to me, look, I'm not old enough to be your mother. <laughs> <laughs> so stop calling me that. <laughs> right? But they were such a great example of a couple and helping us to understand scripture, helping us to understand what it meant to be Catholic, all of the different things that Catholics do. Because honestly, when you start going to mass or you join a Catholic community and you've never really been in that environment, it's quite terrifying. There are a lot of things that we do as Catholics that Protestants just don't do. And uh, as our humanness, we want to be part of the group. So when you're standing, kneeling, sitting, praying, moving hands around, you know, it gets a little confusing at first. So the Lord sent Jack and Anna to us to help us to understand that. Uh, remember how I told you earlier that I... Uh, was in a search for wealth and security. And one of the reasons for that is because I really like to be in control of everything. Tara can attest. <laughs> and anybody else who has worked with me will know that. And so as we were going through our CIA, we were told that we needed to pick a uh, confirmation name. So I thought, well, this is a time of formation for me. I'm going to choose Mary as my name because Mary said yes in a scary scary time which must have been terrifying for her and I wanted so desperately to be in the beam of light that was God's will and I wanted very badly to align my will with God's will and believe me that is a lot easier said than done <laughs> Because once you say that you want to be, you want to align your will with God, and he hears you say that, he gives you lots of opportunities. And, on, and some of them you want to say no, <laughs> right? So I started reading, and I started listening to CDs, and Matthew Kelly was one of my absolute favorites, and he really led me down the path. So one of his things that really struck me and that caused me to go on a reading journey was in one of his books, and I can't tell you which one, it says, tell me what you read last year and I'll tell you where you were. Tell me what you're reading now and I'll tell you where you're at. Tell me what you plan to read and I'll tell you where you're going. So I thought about that. What had I read in the last few years? And honestly, it was Cosmo and the Delta in-flight magazine. 
because that was my life. I traveled and I worked. That's all I did. I worked and I traveled, I worked and I traveled, I worked and I traveled, and I once in a while came home to see my family. So I had to go about changing that. And as soon as I had had that thought, we went to RCIA the next night, and Father Connor hauls in a load, a cart full of books. And he brings some of his favorites. They're welcome for anyone to take any of these books that you want. They'll help you in your formation. So I thought, oh great, I wanted to try to read something new. I'll go up and pick up something. So I went and picked up a small book, St. Teresa of Avila. Yep, that's what I chose. I went from Cosmo and Delta Inflight Magazine to St. Teresa of Avila. Just hopped over everything in the middle. But I chose it because I had an adversity to the name Teresa. There was, you know, some folks in my life, you know how you assign the name to somebody that you maybe didn't have a pleasant experience with and then every person you meet, you're like, oh no, another one, you know? And I thought, man, I am meeting a lot of Teresas in this Catholic faith. Everybody was named Teresa, Mary, or Maria, you know? So I'm like, I gotta get over this Teresa thing, so I'm gonna pick this book and read it. And that's God's way, he's just humorous that way, you know? So I read the first book quickly, brought it back to Father the next week. I couldn't stop, I could not stop reading this. It filled my soul, it filled my brain, it made me think thoughts that I had never thought about. Um, I, I could feel myself starting to understand, I don't know anything. All this stuff I've been working towards and how I really thought I had educated myself and I was a savvy businesswoman, I was missing a lot. So I hand the book back to Father Connor. He said, how was it? I said, oh man, was this a great book? And he said, okay, here's the next one. <laughs> I'm like, what, there's more? And he did that until I had read all of, her, all of her books. Every week I would bring it back and he would hand me the next one. And it was just the best thing that ever happened to me. A funny story, we went out to um, St. Francis where Father Connor had been the priest prior to go to the spaghetti feed out there. And I learned this quickly, if a priest takes you somewhere, he's getting ready to ask you for something. <laughs> You know, yeah, that's true, I know. But I was new and had no idea at this time. But, but um, anyway, so we're driving out there and, and Father Matthew Zimmer's in the car as well, and my husband, and Father Connor's asking about my reading. And I said, oh, Father, I love these books and they have just changed my life so much. And um, Lowell's sitting next to me in the back seat and Father suggested to Lowell that possibly he might like to read the books as well because his life might also be changed. And he said with tone, oh, my life has changed. <laughs> He's like, as a matter of fact, we have not even had our marriage blessed yet and if you give my wife one more book, I'm afraid she's going to enter a convent. <laughs> This is true, that happened. 
But that's just the power of what you actually are putting in your brain. So we finished our CIA and joined the church on April 7th in 2012. It was an amazing, wonderful day. And as we went through Easter vigil that year, I discovered that Easter is more than Sunday <laughs> and more than Easter baskets. When we had Thursday and Friday and Saturday at the Easter vigil and then mass on Sunday, what an amazing journey. How humbling it was. My favorite, favorite time to go to mass or go to a service is when I watch the priests that serve us every day go up and lay down in front of the altar. It really gave me a profound understanding of how they are presenting Jesus to us every day and how they have committed their life to our Lord. And it was so moving and so powerful. So nobody will edge me out of the aisle seat at that time. So if you come to Mass or you come to that service and I'm at the end, I'm going to stand up and let you go by because I want a good view of what's going on at that time. But So on Easter Vigil, of course, Tara was my sponsor, which was very special and wonderful. And we only have one line when you go up there and all you have to do is say amen, you know. So I go up, their church is full and... Father's going to anoint me, and all I have to do is say amen. But I felt complete silence in the church, and it just felt this coolness come about as I was there kneeling. And Father says what, you know, he anoints, he puts this stuff in, he's looking at me, and he's looking at me. Pretty soon he goes, amen. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yes, amen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I meant to say, amen. But I was just so taken up by the moment, you know, that it just, I felt like I was the only person there in the church, even though it was very full of people. And it just, what a wonderful experience it was. So after we joined the church, um, and I was... Um, taking the kids back and forth to school, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, 50 million Spirit Catholic Radio 102.7 signs pop up all over the city in everybody's front yard. Everybody had them like all, all at once. It was like everybody had them in their front room and somebody sent out a mass text message and everybody went out and put them in their yard, you know? Because I'm like, where did all of these come from? And, you know, I told you I had a sales and marketing um, background, so honestly I thought, who puts a yard sign in their yard for a radio station? It's just weird. You know, who does that? And I knew that you had to be very passionate about something before you would actually do that. So one day I was like, okay, you got me. I'm gonna start listening. So I started listening. And when I turned it on, it was at 3 o'clock, the Divine Mercy Chaplet was praying. At this time now, there was not only two children, but there were now four. 
and two little ones in a car seat in the back. And I don't know if any of you have ever been in a car, in a school queue with two babies in the car seat and uh, waiting to pick up the others, but sometimes it's not the most pleasant ride back and forth from home. So once I heard this wonderful prayer being prayed, and sometimes they sing it. The kids loved it, it was so calming. So we started listening every day when we got in the car. And then I started listening on Thursdays. Tara didn't work on Thursdays. And who did the Lord give me first? Father Larry Richards. Okay, by the laugh, I know all of you know Father Larry. And so the very first thing I listened to him uh, was his uh, men's series. And I thought, oh, shoot, it's, it's a Thursday, and this is my day to listen to the radio, and it's a men's series. Well, all right, I'm going to listen anyway. Well, as I went through listening to that, Father Larry, uh, and go through really what it means to be a Catholic man, I'm like, this is what I want. This is what I want for my granddaughters. This is the kind of man that I want my son and my grandsons to be. And this is, if this is what it means to be a Catholic man, I am all in with this faith. Because it really was teaching what it's to be a husband and a father and to be true to the Lord. So a few years pass and I become a constant listener of Spirit Catholic Radio. I never stopped listening to it. Everyone used to just make fun of me because we would trade cars instead of trading car seats. You know how hard it is to change a car seat. And uh, so they would tease. We know which car mom had because always turned to Catholic Radio, you know. And so um, a few years had gone past and Tara was into her practice now and the kids were in school and it was time for Grammy to start thinking about going back to work. And so I started praying to the Lord. Lord, I do not want to go back to the regular world. I just can't do it. I don't want to go back to adjusting my language, my selling tactics based on whether I'm gonna make the sale or not. I want to say Merry Christmas. I don't want to say Happy Holidays or nothing at all, depending on my fear of offending someone and missing out on the sale. I can't do it. You gotta help me find a job where I can talk about God and not get fired. So of course I was a listener all the time and uh, I heard the development director job being advertised for Spirit Catholic Radio on the air. And I thought, wow, I don't have any radio experience. I've never set foot in a radio station. Um, but I do have a little bit of sales experience and it kind of matches. So, uh, you know, maybe I should um, try to see if I can maybe apply for that job. So I sent the executive director a letter that basically said this. I don't have any radio experience, but here's how your network changed my life. And here's my transportation resume, 22 years. <laughs> so we met, we talked about it, and I got the job. And it has been such an amazing journey since I have gotten that job. I have met so many of you 
through Catholic Radio, and I've had the opportunity to evangelize in a way that I never thought would be possible. Now, if God would have said to me on that beach, I want you to quit your job, go home, become Catholic, work for a Catholic radio station, and spend the rest of your life leading people to Jesus, I would have said, no, thank you. But he, that he knew exactly what to say to me to get me home and to get me down that path. So once I said yes to, I'm going to give my life to evangelization and I'm going to talk to others and I'm really going to just tell people how the Lord has changed my life for the better. Once you do that, everything in your life becomes easy, doesn't it? Absolutely not. <laughs> no, no, it does not. So once you say yes to the Lord, oftentimes your life gets harder because you get on the other guy's list. He was not keeping track of me before. There was no need, right? So many of you know that when I started at Catholic Radio, our office was at CSS. So I'll tell you a little funny story about how, how things get in the way sometime, watching out for distractions. So I had to go to drive to Omaha to be on the air. And as I was getting ready to leave my office, I'm like, hey, here's a rosary CD to pray for vocations. I think I'll put this in the CD and I'll, I'm going to pray this every time I'm driving back and forth to Omaha. I'll pray this rosary for vocations. And I started to pack it up and I thought, oh, wait a minute. I'm supposed to bring an ice cream cake, which is in the freezer at CSS. Now it's 7.15 in the morning. So I, no one else is there. I'm the only person in the building at this time. So I set down the prayer for vocation CD, hustle over to the, the freezer, and proceed to lock myself in. <laughs> I don't have my phone. I have no way to communicate with anybody. And now I am in this very cold freezer ready to lose my mind because I'm scared first of all I need to be in Omaha I'm supposed to be on the air and I came in after this dang cake you know so I'm looking around trying to read the signs and there's nothing that says it locks you know and I'm pushing on the door and trying to get it open and I spend about five minutes doing this and then in frustration I just run at the door and put my shoulder down and it pops open <laughs> It was never locked. <laughs> no, it has a very strong suction. But if you don't know that, you think it's locked. And you immediately go into panic mode, you know, when that happens. So I'm like, oh my gosh. All right, now I'm behind schedule. So I throw the cake in the back seat of the car and um, I pick up the rosary CD hop in the car and I thought before I go I am definitely earned a treat for McDonald's and I am going to get some cinnamon buns and a, and a coffee right now. So I drove over and every student from Lincoln High was in line. But I'm waiting because I've earned this remember I just was locked in a freezer right? Okay so I wait and as I'm waiting I have my bank card on my leg in the drive-thru. About two cars before, somehow my bank card flies off my leg through the air and disappears. 
So now I'm looking for it. I've got the car doors open. I'm hanging out. I'm looking underneath, trying to find my bank card. I get up to the window. Luckily, I had some cash. I'm like, now I'm really late. I cannot look for this. I throw the bag into the seat next to the rosary for vocations and head off to the interstate. Now, I don't open the bag until I actually get to the interstate. Guess what? Not what I ordered. It was not what I ordered, and I had earned those cinnamon buns. And it was not cinnamon buns, and I was so mad. So at this point, I look over, and I see the rosary for vocations. Well, I might, and my thought is, I, I can't pray this now. I'm in no frame of mind to pray for a priest. Who could do this? Right? I'm not doing it. So I get to the studio, I open up the door, push my seat all the way back. Remember what I put in the back seat? The cake. Yeah, smash that cake to smithereens. Because I'm going to look for the bank card. At that point, once ice cream is all over my car, because it was an ice cream cake, I stand up and in quite a loud voice yell, Seriously, God? <laughs> Trying to do your work here. You know, a little help would be nice. Right? And I hear a voice behind me say, Are you trying to rob something from that car? <laughs> and I turn around, it's Sister Mary Lucy. And I'm like, Sister, I've had the worst day. God is not helping me at all. I've lost my bank card in here. I'm supposed to be on the air. Ice cream all over. I'm going through the whole deal. And she said, go in and be on the air. She said, dear, this is not the work of our Lord. Certainly not. This is the work of the other one. I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm going on. I'm going in there. I want to be on the air. So I did. I went in. And when I came back out, I did not have a strong belief in the other side at that time. But I got in the car, I turned on the radio, and still on the seat next to me is the Rosary for Vacation. It says, Jeff Cavins, this is exactly what got said. Not sure if you believe in the devil or not, but he knows exactly what buttons to push to stop you from doing what you set out to do today. And what once I made the decision to pray that rosary for vocations, everything went downhill. And so I popped that CD into the CD and prayed it very loudly the whole way home. And then I continued to pass out cases and cases and cases of that rosary to people over the next year because I'm like, I am not going to be stopped buy a freezer, an ice cream cake, or a bag of wrong food, right? So God sends messengers to us. He sends them just when you need them, either in a book, he sends them on the radio, or he sends people to tell you what you need to hear. And there are a lot of you in this room who I have told you are my messengers. Susan is one of them. She's right there. 
She'll send me an email in the middle of the night, or 11.15. We met for lunch not long ago, and I've just really been discerning trying to do a new project here, and uh, been kind of worried about it a little bit. And I hadn't told her about it. We appeared at lunch, and she said, before we get started, I just felt I should bring you these prayers. And she passed me a prayer for the unborn, which is what I had been thinking about. And she also passed me a prayer to um, negate evil spirits, which come to attack you the second that you say yes to the Lord. So with Susan's help and some persuasion, I have really been praying about trying to dive into the world of human dignity and trying to protect the unborn. So uh, I will ask for your prayers for my new, new uh, project, but when I became Catholic and prior to that, I was very much a pro-choice person. I did a lot of work for them. Um, I didn't know the Lord. But when I became Catholic, uh, it moved me to the middle, and I became a fence sitter. You know, I didn't want to talk about the topic. I didn't want to, you know, I don't want to upset either side, you know, that kind of thing. But as the Lord does with me, he nudges in certain ways. So anytime I tell him, I will never do something, 30 days later, I'm doing that, you know, because he just laughs at me. So I oftentimes will negotiate it with him. Do you guys do this too? Because it's like, well, okay, Lord, if I can do this really difficult project, um, then, then I'll know that, that I should do maybe the next step. And then you do that difficult project, and you're like, dang it. All right, well, if I do this next difficult thing, then I will do it. If I do, and it continues on, and the Lord just must get tired. And the thing that I forgot is what's on the, what's my favorite saying? With God, all things are possible. So even though I think it's an unbelievable hard challenge, it's really not if that is God's will. And if I'm true to what I said when I said yes and chose Mary as my name, then I'm supposed to be saying yes to the Lord when he gives difficult assignments. So as I go forward, I try to remember that all things are possible with God. I want to read just a couple of, I've got my timer here, Monsignor Wet. He, like, he gave it to me and he said at 55 minutes he's going to hit a gong. No, he told me that he would not do that. But, but as I was reading through uh, Mark and chapter 27, or Mark 10, verse 27, Jesus looked at them and said, for human beings it is impossible, but not for God. All things are possible for God. But then I went down and I read the little notes down here. And it said, in the Old Testament, wealth and material goods are considered a sign of God's favor. But the, the words of Jesus provided astonishment among the disciples because since wealth and power meant to generate a false sense of security, and that's what I was after when I started this journey, 
and now it's much different. Achievement of salvation and beyond human, is beyond human capability and depends solely on the goodness of our Lord who offers it as a gift. He offers it as a gift to every single one of us. But what do you gotta do when you get a gift? You gotta open it and you gotta use it. Even if you get a gift and you open it, but you set it on the shelf, it's really not very useful. So I'm going about trying to use the gifts that God has presented and to let others know how much God loves them and that you are a child of God every minute, of every hour, of every day. The other one I wanted to mention here is 1 uh, 1 Corinthians verse 4, chapter 6. It says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God caused the growth. Therefore, neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who causes the growth. The one who plants and the one who waters are equal, and each will receive wages in proportion to his labor. For we are God's co-workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. So powerful. So powerful to know that you can simply water, or plant a seed or water another, and you don't know, sometimes you're the seed planter, sometimes you're the waterer, and sometimes God lets you know that it has happened, and sometimes he doesn't. But we have to trust that once the seeds are planted, he will make them grow. So I ask you for whatever you're comfortable with. Not everyone wants to come and be on the radio, not everyone wants to stand at a microphone and talk in front of a group of people. But as Rhonda was saying, the most powerful thing is an invitation. An invitation to join you in prayer, an invitation to turn on the radio, an invitation to read a book that was powerful in your life will help you to plant those seeds of our Lord in the hearts of others. So I was thinking in my office about how do I end this talk and what's the last words I should possibly say. And then I looked up and I saw the Divine Mercy painting, which is enormous in my office. And I do have time to tell you how it appeared there. One day I said to the staff in the Lincoln Building, you know, we don't pray enough together. We need to pray more together. We have the Divine Mercy Chaplain on every day at 3 o'clock. Let's pray together every day at 3 o'clock. No matter who's here, let's just invite them to pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet with us. And then we'll pray together every day as a staff. Volunteers, whoever, even if there's a visitor. So we started doing that. We did it for about four or five days. On, the, I think, the fifth day, all of a sudden I see Jack Ogard showing up and he's walking in with a painting that is so big I can't see him behind it. And it is a, it's the Divine Mercy painting. And he came through the door and said, 
I noticed you didn't have one of these, so I ordered it for you. And I thought it might be nice for you to have here in the studio. And I bust into laughter and said to the Lord, God, thank you for letting me think this was my idea for about four days. <laughs> so in ending, I just have to say thank you again for having me to here today. It is such a pleasure. I love you all. Please come and see me at the studio. Next week is Carathon, and we will have St. Luke, St. Paul, and St. Isidore, a first-class relic of each of them on display from 9 until 4 every day. And we do broadcast live from the Lincoln Studio now from 10 until 2. So please come visit us. Venerate the relics. We would love to see you. And so the last words I want to say in this meeting today is, Jesus, I trust in you. Thank you. God bless you. Thanks so much for listening to this Magnificat podcast. Have you been touched by our time together? If so, for more information or to find a Magnificat chapter near you, go to our website at magnificat-ministry.org or visit us on social media. We would love to hear from you. You can also email us at magnificatcst at aol.com or call 504-828-MARY, M-A-R-Y. Until the next time, may God bless you.